currently interest rates in the United States of America are at one of the still lowest rates historically. And we still see there's an issue with home ownership among the different ethnic classes. Black Americans are at 43% in terms of home ownership and white Americans are at 72% in terms of home ownership. And so there's disparities telling us that while home ownership is still possible, that for some groups, it's still more difficult than others. The Los Angeles Times just came out with an article about what the home ownership is among Latinos. Even in spite of their population numbers, we're seeing that their home ownership ability has been compromised. Interestingly enough, the highest percentage of home ownership among African-Americans is in West Virginia, mm. which is at 78.8%. So in one of the poorest states in the United States, we see the highest ownership of land and homes among African-Americans. And what is this telling us is that purchasing a home is still possible. Purchasing a home is doable, but you gotta do your research. You gotta do your due diligence. More importantly, you gotta know where to get the right information. So today, my wife, Dr. Phoenicia Muepo, and I, we are going to tell you our experience in buying a house. We're gonna also let you know what the overall outlook is on that. And most importantly, we're going to help encourage you to be able to attain that most simple and most desirable American dream, which is home ownership. Yes, home ownership. So, Larry, let's let's talk about the mindset. What really, how we start out in our, in our beginning years of wanting to buy a home because we were trying to buy a home before while we were going through our wedding process and. I remember my uncle telling me, you guys should just buy a home and don't waste all the money that you're putting into this wedding ceremony into, because that's like your down payment, basically. <laughs> so with that being said, we tried, you know, but things started happening and it just got kind of chaotic, you know, trying to plan a wedding, trying to buy a house at the same time. And so we kind of just put the house thing to the side. But still, with our mindsets, we still, at our core, wanted to buy a home even almost 20 years ago. What changed for us? And the thing that her uncle didn't let us know is buying a house is not the same process as purchasing a car or mm -hmm. investing in any type of stock or any other type of money acquisition venture you're going to either uh, try to obtain or get engaged in because home ownership at that time we're talking about early 2000s there's still these gatekeepers which was the banks financial institutions even though you had credit unions that offered more access to capital you know the interest rates back in the 2000s was like nine percent maybe today uh 30 year fix is 4.875 apr 5.15 you know we didn't see this coming this many years down the line. We're talking right. 2001, 2002. Currently, it's 2022. We started this process 2021, finalizing 2022. You know, it's just not that simple to say, go buy a house. Yeah. Even if you're wealthy and you purchase a home, 
wealthy people will tell you all the time, ah, oh, I, I, I lost money on this. I spent I overspent on that. For first time buyers, the process is so arduous because people prey on what you don't know. Exactly. And they try to take advantage of what you don't know. Predatory then. And even if you bought a house before, you're going to have to experience that issue of knowing who your team is, making sure your team is on your side because the agent can be on your side, but they also work a deal with the seller and you don't have any idea that's going on. So it's a complicated process that you have to make simple. And that's something that unfortunately, you know, my parents bought a house mm -hmm. and I understood some of their process, but they didn't have the ability to translate this is what you need because I have to walk my own path. But at the same time, I have to be familiar with how that process is. And although we have homeowners in our family, their experience, it was hard for them to translate their experience into something that was tangible to us. And I think the key too is uh, what you said, Larry, was the research part. So uh, back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, Larry and I started to, because uh, he had already heard of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was introduced to the book through my hairstylist at the time. And um, I started to read that book. And then Larry and I will attend the uh, free workshops at the different uh, convention centers or whatever that uh, Robert Kiyosaki's team would have. And it's that book is mainly a mindset uh, shift. So, you know, moving from self-employment to investor, business, being business owners and different things like that, knowing what the difference between assets and liabilities are. So reading that book really opened our mind to be on this wealth creation path that we want to take. Because we know being Christians, the word of God says that he has given us opportunities to gain wealth. You know, I'm just paraphrasing. But what are some practical ways to do that? And we know right now or, you know, just historically over time, um, you would create wealth through either your businesses or investing in stocks or um, real estate. So those are the three main areas that families, um, if you look at the Rockefellers, you look at the Carnegie's, you look at whoever, even in our own, um, what they call millionaire, millionaire next doors, they are investors, business owners, or they're attaining real estate or other um, products for infinite banking. But that was our path that we wanted to journey on. And we just took it head on and started to do the research on how to build wealth for our family. Do you have a business, brand, or even a creative idea? Power Media Network can help you design a strategy to make your brand impactful. Visit www.pyramedianetwork.com today to schedule a free consultation. Power Media Network, next level media. So, yeah, so doing the research is what, you know, your due diligence comes in. And like Larry mentioned about building your team, because you want to make sure that you're working with people who understand your vision for your um, real estate needs, whatever, whatever that, whether you're buying a single family, multifamily or whatever, you have to have the right team, whether you're a real estate agent, your lender um, or whoever else is um, involved in that process. And the other thing that we did is, so before we got married, 
we had to decide how we were going to set the relationship. What do you like? What do you don't like? What are you coming from? How do you see this? How do you see that? So we set some parameters and some guidelines. How are we going to handle money? How are we going to have joint accounts or we have separate accounts? And basically, we have this idea of how we're going to flow, basically, in starting our teamwork. And what are the rules of engagement? Where are we going to go here? Where are we going to go there? And um, basically, you know, she wasn't going to marry me if I had no commitment to become a Christian. That's right. <laughs> so I couldn't come to a relationship basically with ins and outs available. And so my, my biggest thing was to get her to understand what my, my, my do's and don'ts were. And likewise, she had her do's and don'ts. And so on that basis, now we're set. We're clear-eyed, clear-minded, clear vision. And so now we can go into these financial decisions so that you don't have these little foxes who can corrupt the greater goal. Right. And it's important to understand what are the little foxes, what are the devil and the little details that can throw you off track? Because it's all a path. Yeah, it's a journey, but it's also a pathway. And at the time, we're going through this process. We talked to certain people who had owned property, who had owned income property. And um, my older brother, um, Zach, he had told us, if I wish I had a chance I could do it over, I'd buy income property. So, well, you got to get a real estate agent that understands income property. You got to get a real estate agent that understands how to do that. You got to talk to financing people who can do that. She had an account at California Credit Union. And so we talked to a loan officer at the credit union who was familiar with the income property buying process for uh, multifamily homes. So we're doing all this work. And in spite of all that, and we're getting all this great information, I'm reading articles, she's reading articles. We're not talking to everybody and applying what we got from them. We're applying what's necessary and what's needed because you can be overwhelmed with information. Yes, you can. Yes. So, so discernment was everything. I, I definitely agree, Larry, because, you know, when you're getting information from different people, it can be overwhelming. That's why you have to narrow it down. And so um, I think the biggest thing what turned over for us after years, of, uh, a couple of years of doing the research and even a t not just doing the research, but there were times where we did attempt to buy property. Like we had uh, multiple people we were dealing with uh, for us, real estate agents and lenders or whatever, giving our information, see what's up. But we all, it seemed like it would all come down to the main thing, credit. No one really talked to us about how to get your credit. They would say, oh, okay, well, your credit needs to be raised up a little bit higher, but how do we do that? How do we get this FICO score up, you know, to where lenders is like, okay, we can work with y'all. So that was always like one of the main hindrances along the way, because we eventually had the income. We eventually had the income with us both working, but it was always the credit score was um, too low or whatever. So our term biggest turnaround came in 2020 when we during pandemic hit you know we're all home and that was we looked at it as an opportunity so we 
uh, were introduced to a podcast called Earn Your Leisure, Earn Your Leisure. And um, those guys, Rashad and Troy out of New York, were, uh, were bringing different people in the investment or business uh, world who had expertise in different areas. So one of the guys that they brought on, um, his IG name is Him500. Marcus Barney is his uh, actual name. He's the credit guy. He teaches you everything of what you need to know about credit, how to get your credit score up, the difference between your billing date and your closing date and um, credit utilization. So just listening to him and applying the free game. When I say free game, it was free game on credit. So we were able to listen and apply the knowledge that he shared, you know, on the uh, on YouTube, and we start to see a difference in our credit score. So eventually, our credit score got to the point to where we were able to um, secure the loan. Yeah. So the thing we're trying to emphasize is, you know, for us, the situation was we didn't know what piece was missing in terms mm -hmm. of the puzzle of home ownership. So. You have to be objective and you have to literally look at your situation and say, what are the pieces that I have? What are the pieces that I'm missing? And how do I complete this picture and this puzzle so that we can acquire the house? And so mm -hmm. our advice is to look at people who can give you the information, which will help give you a complete and full clear view of what's going on in your situation. And for us, we knew about the money. We knew about the real estate. We knew about the location. We knew about don't buy um, high and then you're stuck. Mm -hmm. We know friends of ours that bought a house, but the house didn't have a driveway or the house is in a crowded area. And so we're not just buying this house as if it's our final house. We have to look at this situation like, this is the first house, not the final house, not the dream house. And also, this house has to be a step up. That means mm -hmm. it has to be affordable, it has to be attractive, and it has to appreciate. And then finally, exactly. understanding that symphony of credit and your cash and your opportunity. Because it didn't make sense to buy a house and then be stuck somewhere where we're looking like, oh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're done. It's, it's over for us. So for us, it took us this journey for us to get everything right, which I can appreciate now more than if we would have got the house and then the struggle. Mm -hmm. And because we've seen so many friends during the pandemic who a little bit of struggle, some bad things got revealed and people said, that's it, I'm out. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's unfortunate we see that so many families have been either strengthened or worsened because of the pandemic. And it really helped us with uh, synergy and everything coming together because of the pandemic. And that's what we're going to be talking about next. Yeah, the pandemic just presented a lot of opportunities for Larry and I. Um, not just, you know, just like you said, either the pandemic strengthened your family or it worsened your family or whatever, or your business or whatever um, relationship you have. 
for us is strengthened because we we went it was intentional. You have to have the mindset to have that in, that good intention uh, to see to make things work. And now being homeowners during the pandemic, that's a blessing. Like you said, some people crumble, some people couldn't handle different things, you know, that was going on. But I'm reminded uh, when the first pandemic happened um, 100 years ago that we know of, you know, there were a lot of millionaires that happened during that time. And you, you wonder, like, what, what did they do innovatively or creatively during that situation to, to strengthen their family and to gain wealth? Well, they had an idea, a need. They saw a need some kind of way, whether it was through business or um, investing or whatever, and they just maximized on it. So when you reference like Madam C.J. Walker or other wealthy families during that time, they saw a need, they had created a business around it that would um, meet the needs of the people in the community. And basically home ownership, like Larry said, this is not the dream house. I mean, we're in a great location. Um, you know, We know it's gonna appreciate whatever, but this is a stepping stone for us to further real estate goals, especially with providing affordable housing to families, you know, that will need it. So I'm excited about, you know, what God has given us and we want to make sure that we're being good stewards over because right now we look at it, we look at it, you know, as a liability, you know, because it's taking money out of our pocket. But eventually it will be an asset, whether we'll sell it or we'll Airbnb it or rent it out or whatever uh, for the next, you know, goals that we have when it comes to real estate. Yeah. So um, getting into liability versus asset. So we're watching an episode on EYL. Billionaire Grant Cardone comes on and he's talking to the guys and he's telling them, single family homes or single, uh, I wouldn't buy a home right now. It's a sucker bet. And the thing he's trying to propose was that if you buy a house that isn't generating income for you, you're at a loss. And so this idea was also um, proposed by Robert Kiyosaki. You know, you buy a house, it's not an asset unless it's bringing you money. It's a liability. Because mortgage, which is French for to the death, you're talking about 30 years. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pay off that loan. Doesn't matter if it's $100,000 or $600,000. You're expected to pay that off. So unless you sell that or you pay it off, it's a liability that your name is attached to. So it's hard to get bankruptcy protection for that. It's hard to get refinancing for that. Now, all type of refinancing models are available, which is a home equity um, loan, which is known as a HELOC, or you can get a second on your mortgage. But the bottom line is, it is a liability until you make it an asset. So Grant Cardone was suggesting that don't even waste your time in a single family home because unless you have athlete money or entertainer money or money from stock or it's... Um, inherited you get a deed through inheritance you know you're at a loss you're already coming down and you have to be able to turn that liability into an asset so what he talked about was being a real estate investor 
And that's where you get the term flippers and all these other different strategies. Being an investor in real estate allows you to turn that liability into an asset. So we got to learn different strategies. We're learning about infinite banking. We're learning how to take that loan and be able to look at it not as bad debt, but as good debt. Because you can get credit for good debt. Mm -hmm. And when banks and other financing institutions look at you and say, ooh, you're a homeowner. Ooh, you pay on time. Ooh, we like to give you money because they're looking at the money that they have and they're like, we need to find a way. It's bring a hole in our pocket. We got to get this money away. We got to make money off of this because we need interest. Banks live off interest. Interest, right. Interest is everything to a bank. They work on margins. They don't care about debt. They really don't care about your debt. They want to be able to see you have the credit history that proves you can handle debt. And that is something that we have to wait and learn. It took us a very long term time to learn about how your credit score is coming about. And more importantly, how your credit score works, whether it's too many inquiries, whether it's, oh, I went over to this car dealership and they want to show me this car. I love this car. And they sent my credit report out to 36 or 90 different agencies. Seven of them responded, but only one offered me a deal. So now you have seven credit card inquiries on your credit score because they sent it out to 30 or more lending institutions and your credit score goes down. Not only that, you have different types of credit scores. One is Vantage, one is FICO. And when you learn all this stuff and you're doing your due diligence, you're seeing all that, now that's just a car. Imagine a house where you're paying all kinds of taxes. There's open space tax. There's three different sewer taxes. There's all different types of things that you're paying on. So banks are saying, hey, we need to know what your loan to value is and your debt to income ratio. Our guy kept telling us, our lender, um, did a great job, by the way, he did an awesome job because he gave us a better rate than what the, the, the builder was. We went to a new build as opposed to getting an older house because we saw that, A, we were being outbid for older houses yes. at outrageous levels. Sometimes. $50,000, $100,000 over asking price. Like, what? We went to a property, same area, Carson. The property is $936,000. Someone's willing to bid $50,000 over that offer. The, the seller wanted $936,000, and somebody was willing to go 50% over that. I don't want to mention what's going on in Atlanta or in other places. The whole idea of buying a house and bidding is the worst way to buy a house because you're going to end up overpaying. Mm -hmm. you got to make sure you can lock in what you want. And if you can get newer, the better. Because what they're not telling people is older homes that are 50 or more older, they have to have retrofits. They have to be upgraded. They have to have compliance. They have to have um, their wiring right. Plumbing. It's impossible to keep track with all the changes they expect with housing now. And now they have this new rule where in California, hey, we want people to build more houses like granny flats because we have a housing shortage. So 
And, and then that's the other thing. If you're going to be a multifamily uh, or a, you're going to be an investor, you got to make sure you're in a state that's landlord friendly. It's really complicated. Thank you. It's really a big deal. But the thing that we're looking at for our situation is we're sitting here and we have an opportunity that's never been explored before with the financing that's coming from DeFi. You can have peer-to-peer lending. You don't have to deal with the bank anymore. Traditional lending is old. It's slow. It's complicated. There's financing going on now that you don't have to even worry about. There's financing happening that you can get financed from somebody you don't even know using Ether. What is Ether? Ether is crypto. Crypto financing is coming to real estate. Airbnb has changed how real estate is done. There are people right now who are using Airbnb to either rent their own space or they're going to other people say, hey, you have an available room. Let me pay you rent on that room that's available. And they flip that and they have somebody else pay more to Airbnb for one or two weeks. And you get four people to do that to cover what you pay the homeowner and you have seven different spots. So you just did it. You're making thirty to forty thousand dollars a week. So it's just changed how when we started this process in the early two thousands to what's available now. That's what makes this so possible, so exciting, and so invigorating to know that it's not a liability to own a home unless you allow it to be like. And that's, yeah, that is so true. Um, So you just have to be creative, you know, think of ways to turn your liability into an asset. And then, you know, one thing that we learned going through this process was privacy. Uh, You got to have privacy during this process because when you're telling too many people, you know, everybody wants to know all the details and you're in this process and things change a lot, you know, uh, with paperwork, with your closing date, one thing you have, one date is your closing date. The next thing you know is not, you got another closing date. Then you have to turn in this paperwork, that paperwork. And then you have people constantly asking, okay, what's going on? What's going on? So you have to be wise um, not to discuss all the details um, during your process. You know, of course, you, you know, you want to tell maybe one or two people, you know, that you're close to, you know, a family member or best friend or something. But even through that, you know, you want to keep the process private because you're already going through um, a major, major purchase in your life. This is a major purchase that you can ever get <laughs> in, in your lifetime because uh, buying a house is not easy. However, it can be simple depending upon how you're approaching it and who you're dealing with. So it's just important not to just put it all out there on social media. And everybody, your mama got to know every detail that you're going through and every step of the way. That's not, I would not advise that at all. And the other thing about that is you don't want to put yourself under the pressure to perform for others because, you know, you have expectations. Yes. And if you're feeling the pressure of others' expectations, you're just going to compound the stress that you're putting into your life. And it's so unfair and it's so unnecessary. And one of the things we also try to do is we, we try to bring in our children on this process. So if you have kids or if you're going to have kids, 
you know, understanding legacy building mm -hmm. and how to get your story to be told in a way that it helps empower others and in particular your kids because you don't want your kids to take things for granted. Like, hey, mom and daddy got a new place for me to tear up. No, you want to understand, hey, no. this is an investment. This is what an investment is. And this is how you invest in your life so that you can reap the return. So it's still that same idea of you reap what you sow. It's still that idea you still have to teach. And you still have to make sure that, okay, this is the first step, not the final goal. And it's one of the things that we've tried to emphasize and try to do. But like I said, we're still in that same process of when we start, uh, of when we first started of, hey, this is what we do, this is what we don't, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. And we're still continuing that process because it's never final, it's never over. You never you never stop until you're, you're not finished. Right. You, you, you still want us to keep going so that that's, that's what the true legacy is. So that continue to give, even when you're not around. Yeah, and I, in closing, I like that. Um, it's so important that for us, for Larry and I, we wanted to our boys to be a part of this process, our, our boys out of state and our boys that's here, because as a family, that is one of our goals, to build real estate together as a family. And for them to appreciate everything, you know, we're constantly telling them, hey, you know, this is this is our home. You know, this is art. Let's take care of it. It's new. Um, let's treat it as such. Let's not get comfortable. You know, take care, clean up, you know, appreciate everything that's here. Because when you work hard and earn your stuff, you appreciate it better. So it's just important for our boys to know that, hey, this is the expectation that at one point you're going to own. You're going to own your own stuff. You're going to own this. You're going to own whatever it is that you're going to um, be seeking for. And you have to appreciate it. You have to take care of it and not just, oh, we're here. And okay, now we can tear up some stuff. No. No, now it's time to um, show that pride and, what it, and be a good steward over what God has blessed us with and to teach others and show them that it's possible. Yeah, all things possible through Christ. The one thing through all the hardships that we've had, because mm -hmm. um, there's some certain catchphrases that we use. You know, when they say faith without works is 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 dead, it's one thing to believe, it's one thing to hope, but you have to know that the Lord has set a path and that that's the path you follow. And being able to ignore the distractions, not being able to veer off that path or try to take shortcuts to that path. Because there are shortcuts you can take but that ultimately is going to fail because that's not the path that the Lord has, has picked. It's a lot of times people avoid the hard path because it's not just the personal pain of the hard path. It's the visual pain that everyone that knows you or sees you, whether it's a friend, family, or stranger, they see your path. And that visual path can be painful to take because it is so visual. It's so obvious. And a lot of us, we don't want to be exposed and we're afraid of that exposure. But sometimes that test has to be a testimony. You have to be able to tell others, hey, we made it through. We went through the ups. We went through the downs. We went through only having one car. We went mm -hmm. through 
me only have me me having to work two jobs. Mm -hmm. um, we went through. Uh, my wife got a master's mm -hmm. and a do uh, a doctorate, even though she was raising uh, boys in Los Angeles. It is possible, but you have to have that path. And if you're not sure what path you take, that's when you turn to the Lord. Allow the Lord to open your heart and clear your eyes so that you'll see the vision. Because he has a vision out there for mm -hmm. you. And if you don't see the vision, then go find a visionary. That's where the church comes in. Because we have a visionary. He always always telling us, go get the land, seize the land, get the land, take the land, go get it, go get the land. Our pastor was always, uh, Bishop William Todd Overham was always encouraging us to go pursue home ownership. Because he saw the value in it. He saw the, the importance of it. He saw yes. how empowering it was. And he had difficult moments, but he was able to go through and he was able to share. And our, our difficulty was not knowing that we were missing that credit, that credit component, because we had everything else tight. We had the money, we had the jobs. We had everything but the right credit uh, profile. And once we got that credit profile fixed, that everything came together so rapid, so fast. Had a great realtor agent. She, she, <laughs> we've dealt with a lot of agents. Mm -hmm. She's the best one we had. Uh, Dorsey. Like hands down, hands, hands down to Dorsey Hudai. If you're ever looking for a real estate agent, let us know. Because we would definitely refer her. Dorsa, I forgot the name. I'm sorry, I forgot the name of her company. Um, Realty. I, I can't remember right now. West Shore. West Shore Realty. When she wasn't available, her team member picked her up, picked uh, picked up her, uh, her her calls and made sure we we came through. And and like I said, a new bill can be tricky, but we we got it done. Um, and things have opened up immediately right away. We came in uh, with equity on the deal. If you can do that, always try to do that on the deal. So we getting our return on investment immediately when we first walked mm -hmm. in. I mean, that's always a great. That's always a great feeling. That's buying right. That's better. You know, when you buy right, when you have equity walking into that uh, property, that is buying right. And. That was satisfaction for us. <laughs> we're still learning, you know, we're new home buyers and we're still learning the whole process, you know, but the point is that we believe God. We believe God that after all these years of us trying to get property, we never lost focus and never lost sight of the vision. And, and that's a blessing. And we're proud and we're, we're happy. And we know that this is not the end. We still hungry for more to do because we want to be a component in the community that that uh, wants to serve others through housing. So that's that's next. That's next, and we're excited. So the fun thing that I have to say is, if you're jealous, if you hate, if you have that hatred, if you got that jelly, that's okay. Use that as fuel, not to say, oh, I can't believe. That's your way of saying, mm, I can do it. Use that fuel, fire that belly up and go get it, go do it. And there were family members that got home before us. We never, that never discouraged us. 
that never allowed us to, you know, go into our pillows and have a pity party. That that encouraged us. That that made us feel like we're on the right path. Mm -hmm. And and for this to come through, I'm excited about what's next. And I just can't wait to see what's next because we still got work to do. And that's what I would like for you to understand. If you're thinking about what's next, be excited about it because it can be so great. But you have to understand that. So we want to thank you all for this time. Until we see you again, think big, think your success, and think your future. Thank you. <laughs>